just want to, want to let you know about that. So, okay, let me jump in here. We are in week 14 of Ephesians. We've been walking through. There's only six more weeks, believe it or not, in Ephesians. Uh, and then after Ephesians for the summer, we're going to be doing something where we're going to take 14 weeks and we're going to walk through the storyline of the Bible. Uh, we, we do this a lot at Hope. That we, we want to make sure that it's not just these little uh, snippets or, or a little snapshot of, of a Bible story and, hey, what's the moral of the story? That we want to tie it all into the main story, which is Christ. Um, and so we wanna, we're just going to take 14 kind of key main verses in the Scripture that are the main storyline uh, of the book, of the whole book of the Bible. And so I'm looking forward to that. But we are in week 14. So this week's sermon, Old to New, in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 32. Feel free to, you can follow along. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, uh, but I will have all of the scripture up on the screen. So if you'd like to just follow along that way. Um, I couldn't come up, old to new, old versus new. I was thinking like boys to men and do something kind of hip and cool, but um, this has got nothing to do with uh, gender, so it didn't really help. So old to new, that's what I stuck with. Um, and uh, so let's just jump into this. So the first point, um, don't live like those who don't know Jesus, okay? Uh, and then Paul's gonna say this in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. If you have been coming here at all for any of the Ephesians, the entire book so far has been, we're no longer outsiders, uh, that there are Gentiles and Jews, that Jesus has won the victory, therefore making the two one. And, and that's been his theme, but he uses that term Gentiles, that, and Gentiles in, in, in the scriptures uh, is, is ethne. I, mean, I don't know if you've maybe noticed this, but I, and I, this is just a thing that I've maybe ad adopted um, that I don't, I try not to. Maybe I've done it. I, I go back and, and watch the tape. I don't know. But I, I don't know if I've ever used the word race uh, because scripture doesn't talk about race. It says eth ethne, ethnicities. And so I try to always use that, that term, not that using the word race is bad or anything, but I just try to do that. So this word Gentile is that word, ethne, all nations, okay? No longer live as all the nations, but we can see in scripture that most of us um, are Gentiles, right? If, if you are not of a Jewish heritage, then we're all Gentiles. Uh, we're, of, we're all the other ethnicities other than Jewish. And that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at. And yet, what happens? Because again, over and over and over again, we've seen in this book, in this text, uh, that, that we were outsiders, we were without hope, without God in the world, that, that he had chosen his Israelites, and yet their goal, their whole point uh, was to bless the nations, but they said, nah, we're gonna just keep this to ourselves. And so we're, we're outsiders, we're foreigners, we're strangers, we're wanderers. Um, and yet, then we see in Galatians, and especially in, in chapter 2, that Jesus tears down this dividing wall of hostility. And if you were to go to the temple back in the day, the one that Jesus would have walked into in Jerusalem, there would have literally been a physical wall that said, Gentiles, if you are not part of Israel, don't think about crossing this barrier. Uh, and I don't have the picture of the image of the stones that they found in different languages. They say, if you cross this line, you are responsible for your death, right? Uh, you, you don't do it. It's, it was a warning sign. It was literally a wall of hostility. And, it, and Paul tells us, Jesus tears down that wall of hostility and now says, all are welcome. All can come. This has nothing to do with your ethnicity. And so again, in Ephesians chapter 2, 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Uh, Ephesians 3, 6, this mystery is that the gospel, 
The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. This is, this is a major shift that if you were in Israel or, or alive during that time and you're reading the scripture, you're thinking everything's about Israel. And I was saying, this is the mystery that every nation, every ethnicity are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And so this is the same word, Gentiles, but you can clearly tell by context, something's different. Um, it's, 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 not, it's, a, it's the same word, but it's a, it's a different people group that you have those who are in Christ and now those who are not in Christ. And that's why he's referring to them as Gentiles. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, this different group of people, those who are without Christ. It says in the futility of their thinking. The Apostle Paul is not saying that if someone's not in Christ, they're dumb. They're uneducated, they're ignorant, they're not as intelligent as those who are in Christ. Matter of fact, in other places, Paul says quite the opposite, right? That we are the ones that are uneducated, right? And he's saying, but this isn't that because they're, they're, they're foolish or that education's bad. He's saying because they're, they're, they're understanding that their way of life is about them, about their culture. It's got nothing to do with God. And yet if somebody were an unbeliever, they would come here and say, wait, you think, you think I'm futile in my thinking? You worship someone who died and you think rose from the dead and is in heaven and he's gonna return again? You believe that? I think you're the idiot here, right? And, and that's, so it's not a matter of like, you're dumb, I'm dumb, you're, whatever. He's saying it, but it's futile, it's worthless. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from uh, the life of God because of the ignorance in them due to the hardening of their hearts. The Apostle Paul is gonna talk a lot about that in Romans chapter two. That you, 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 you want to serve yourself, you wanna worship yourself, you're gonna worship the creation rather than the creator? Well, then I'm gonna give you over to that. Go ahead, you want that? Let's see what happens. Let's see how, how well that works out for you. And like a child who always is doing the wrong thing, and you're like, fine, you know what, go ahead, do it. Jump off the couch and see what happens, right? Uh, and you're gonna learn your lesson. Uh, and it's kind of it's that way of a, of a loving father saying, hey, uh, you need to learn somehow. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. So let's jump into the rest of this passage. The heading in the NIV, which we normally read from, unless I usually say otherwise, um, the heading of it, like each chunk, if you were to open a Bible, there's usually some, some paragraph headings or, or you know, story headings. And in the NIV, it's instructions for Christian living. And this is how uh, I was taught. And now the, the headings are not inspired. They're not the word of God. Someone just wrote them in. And someone from the NIV wrote in uh, instructions for Christian living. It's usually in bold and it separates the passages. This is really bad. Okay, <laughs> so I'm a, that's the whole point. Today I'm gonna explain why the NIV is wrong. I don't know who wrote it, but they're wrong, all right? Uh, this is how, and again, you know, you know my story, a lot of you, I grew up in the church um, and, and that's how I was taught to read this passage. And so let me, let me explain it. These are two dogs. You've got a golden retriever and a German shepherd. Uh, those of you who don't know our, our dog, Daisy, we had to put her down a couple months ago. We had a golden retriever, she was great. Uh, and, but she had a best friend. Uh, Eva, uh, who's my cousin, my best friend's dog. They were just best, best pals, okay? Now, this is what I was taught. 
that inside of you, you got two dogs in this fight. And this is, I guess, before dog fighting was not cool. Um, and, and so you got these two dogs, right? And if you feed the good dog, the good dog in you is going to beat the bad dog. But if you keep feeding the bad dog, the bad dog's going to beat the good dog, okay? Now, so in this illustration, the golden retriever is going to be the bad dog, okay? Because the golden retriever isn't, you, you wouldn't think the golden retriever is a bad dog. Um, they're, they, they, you think they're manipulative. Uh, they, 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 you think they're, they're your friend, but they're needy. Uh, <laughs> they shed everywhere, right? All the different things about, right? They're the bad dog. So we're going to talk about the golden retrievers being the bad dog and the German shepherd, loyal, going to be there for you, uh, friendly, um, unless, you know, they're, they're trained by the police or whatever, um, but usually really nice, nice dogs, okay? So, uh, and, this is, and this was a, a, a common theme. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to dog the way, oh, that was nice. I'm not trying to say anything negative about the way I was raised. Don't, don't hear that. But we had this phrase that we said over and over, uh, just two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And so the pleasing self would be the golden retriever, the bad dog, and the pleasing God would be the, the German shepherd, the, the good dog. So I want to I read this passage because you might naturally go, oh, it's good versus bad. It's, I got to feed the good dog so it beats up the bad dog. And if I feed the bad dog, it's going to get stronger and it's going to start winning out over the good dog. Ephesians chapter four, let's read it that way. That, however, right, let's not, let's not be like how we used to be. Let's not be like the Gentiles. Let's not be like unbelievers. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, put off that old dog, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, feed the good dog, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Feed that good dog. Don't, don't go to bed angry. Feed the good dog. Because if you go to bed and you're angry, you're feeding your bad dog and that's bad. Don't do it. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Okay, well, I don't steal. So I must be feeding my good dog in that one. I'm doing all right there. Hey, look at me. I'm feeding my German shepherd doing something useful with their own hands, they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up and according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. We've mentioned this before, and the Apostle Paul talks about this, that we've been sealed. If you think a king, the drip, the wax, stamp and they, and they seal an envelope and they give that to, 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 to some carrier uh, and they, they carry it somewhere and they said, this is, I had the king's seal. And if anyone breaks this, they're breaking something that's with the king. You're taking something on with the king, but we've been sealed with the king's seal and the spirit of God that is now with us. We've been sealed with that. And so this is the way I was taught this passage to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the spirit now lives inside of me and dwells inside of me. That when I'm feeding the, my golden retriever, when I'm feeding my bad dog, the spirit can't leave. The spirit sees me doing something bad and then, oh man, I'm, I'm sad. I'm hurt by you doing that bad thing. 
And immediately it's guilt and it's shame. And so I'm gonna do good. I know I wanna feed the good dog because I feel bad. That's how I was taught to read this passage. Continuing on. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice and be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ and God forgave you. We've all probably heard the phrase, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And this is the same exact thing that the apostle Paul is trying to say here. You wanna live by the law? You're gonna die by the law. You wanna live by the law of don't feed the bad dog? You're gonna die by don't feed the bad dog. Hey, 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 here's what he's trying to say. You wanna live by the law of feed the good dog? You're gonna die by the law of feed the good dog. It's not a matter of doing right and wrong or doing this or that. There's so much more and so much deeper here that the Apostle Paul is trying to get on. Now, we're gonna look at the heading in the ESV. Guess what? It's called new life. Now that is a very different perspective than instructions for Christian living. There's a new life. There's a transformation that happens. The apostle Paul, uh, in very similar language, uh, goes to Romans, I'm gonna go to Romans chapter eight in very similar language. This, This is what the apostle Paul says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am free. The law, did, did I feed my good dog enough? Am I, there's no condemnation. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you what? Free, free, free from the law of sin and death. I've been set free from that. For what the law was powerless to do, give life and grace and mercy, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. You think you're feeding your good dog enough? You're not. It's law and it's sin and it's flesh. Jesus takes on flesh and lives the life that I couldn't live. And now because I'm in him, I am now free in this new life of grace. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of law might be fully met in us. Did I I feed the good dog enough? Am Am I holy enough? Am I righteous enough? Am I good enough? Jesus says, yes. As I quoted Pastor Cora last week, we get to, oh, I'm gonna mess this up now. Jesus stands before God as if he were us. Nope, we can stand before God as if we were Jesus because Jesus stood before God as if he were us. That's what it is. We do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Douglas Moo, a commentary on Romans says this. In this passage, he's now speaking of Romans, but it's for sure an equal equivalent here. Flesh and spirit stand over against each other. Okay, so wait, so Moo, are you saying it's a good dog, bad dog? What's going on here? The flesh and the spirit stand over against each other, not as part of a person, some anthropological dualism. Okay, now, now he's saying, this isn't a good dog, bad dog, nor even as impulses or powers within a person. Okay, this isn't my strong desire to be good or my strong desire to be bad right now. It's not, it's not what this is about but as the powers or dominating features of the two realms of salvation history. I'm gonna explain that. To walk according to the flesh then 
is to have one's life determined and directed by the values of this world, of the world in rebellion against God. It is a lifestyle that is purely human in its orientation, that it's about me and what I want and my desires, and if I don't like it, I'm not gonna do it. If I do like it, I'm gonna do it. That's the old flesh. And even when I think, oh, I'm gonna do good because Jesus will like it and he'll like me more, it's the same thing. To walk according to the spirit, on the other hand, is to live under the control and according to the values of the new age, created and dominated by God's spirit as his eschatological gift. And full, full, few, fruition? Uh, What's the word I'm looking? Free fruit, few, fruition, fruition. Holy smokes. I talk for a living. Do you guys know that? the fruition, right, of, of what's going to happen, that I have this gift. And this is, this is, okay, so you might say, man, I feel like you're splitting hairs here. I don't think I am. <laughs> the good dog, bad dog, law, flesh, guilt, shame. You have to or it's bad. Versus, this, this, is, a, this is a change. This is a, this is a new life. This is a new way of of thinking, a new way of acting, not out of duty and an obligation, but because I see Christ, I saw how he lived and I say, yeah, I actually want that. Not out of obligation, not out of duty. I mentioned this, I've mentioned this multiple times. On Monday mornings, we, we meet as, a, as a, a lot of pastors and some of the women on staff and, and we meet and talk over the week's passage. And, and, um, and so downtown though, they, they record their uh, sermons on, uh, for online on Thursdays. And so I text uh, Steve Treichler, a senior pastor over all the locations. And I said, hey, I know you preached this passage this morning. Do you have any good quotes from, from Moo? Because he had mentioned some, and I was like, I want this quote. Um, I couldn't find the book. And so he was like, yeah, well, he sent me his whole PowerPoint. And as I was looking through the PowerPoint, he had a, a graphic that he made. And I'm glad, I'm pleased to tell you that, that Steve Treichler and I both went to the same graphic design school. Uh, this looks exactly like something I would make. Uh, and so uh, let me explain it. He kind of walks through it. I just put the last slide on there and I'll explain it. Okay, so you have, we, we use this language at Hope and a lot of churches uh, that you have creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's the storyline of the Bible. That's the gospel. You want to boil the gospel down to four words, that's it that there's a creation, that there's a good God and who creates humanity in his image, but then sinful man comes in the picture and we have a fall, that we sin and we send the whole world into chaos and sin and rebellion. And then Jesus comes, this redemption at the cross and he saves us. And at some point, everything's gonna be made new. There's gonna be a restoration of all things, but we're not there yet. Right now, we're at this crossroad in the middle where, literally a cross in the middle of the road, I didn't mean that either, uh, that you are saved, that there is a redemption, and I can be in Christ. So then it goes back up, the in Christ ones, and on the top, you have a new creation, spirit, but on the normal, worldly, earthly passions, it's the flesh, worldly, law, sinful, etc. And so now it's not, hey, I'm gonna feed this good dog that's up high in this new spirit, this new life, or I'm gonna feed this bad dog. It's a way of life. It's this realm, this way that I think, this way that I live. It's not a a choice by choice, and it may be, but it's bigger than that. It's so much more than that. Um, As we were talking about this, uh, Natty Searson 
she, she said, I don't, I don't know if realm is the best word. Realm can be confusing in the, in the age of Spider-Man and the multiverse and all that. It might be a little confusing. Uh, and, and I don't understand the multiverse. Uh, you do, I'm sure. But uh, it's not that. Okay, so we're trying to, so I was like, man, what would be a, a good way to illustrate this other than lines uh, and stick figures on a, on a, on a thing? I, and, I, and I thought of this. And my inner nerd's going to come out. And that's okay. I know you like me for it. Um, there is a, a video game that I play with my cousin, the owner of, of Eva, the German Shepherd. It's called Valheim, okay? Uh, it's a Viking game. And, and, and you may not know this, Viking is a verb. It's not a noun. There were no Vikings. Skull. No, it didn't happen. Uh, Viking is a verb. We're going to go, go a Viking. Uh, raid. That's what it means, okay? Just fun fact of the day. Uh, in this game, though, Valheim, it's by far the most popular game that's ever been out on, on, a, on a gaming thing called Steam. It's where you buy games, and you know, none of you really care about this. Um, but it's been the most popular game. It's got 97% positive reviews. All right, all right. Um, it came out uh, last year, and it's already sold over 9 million copies, which is a lot of copies of a game. Anyways, here's the point of the game. I just want to let you know, like, I'm not the only nerd. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people like me out there, okay? All right, I'm not alone in this. Any other Valheim fans? Any Valheim fans? Yes! I knew it! There's 25 million of us, bro. All right. You're the outsiders, you Gentiles. <laughs> Here's the point. Valheim, it has these, what they call in the game, biomes, okay? You have these, these biomes, and so you have the meadows, you've got the black forest, you've got uh, the mountains and the plains. And, but when you're in each, in the swamps, and when you're in each biome, you have to dress differently and you have to bring different food, okay? It's a way of life. It wouldn't make any sense for me to have poison potions when I'm in the meadows, right? Can I get an amen? It's a way of life. It's a change. It's not just a changing of clothes. It's not just where I am in a location or a biome. It's everything, all consuming. It's everything I do, who I am. And that's why the Apostle Paul says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. It is a way of life. I'm living by the spirit and by grace, not the flesh and not the law. So now what I want to do is go back and reread the passage with a different perspective now, with new life in my mind rather than good dog, bad dog. Let's reread this. That, however, this old flesh, this old way, the old dominion, is not the way of life that you have learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted and his deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, not by the doing of your laws, the attitude of my thinking, this new realm, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body, right? You can read that. The good dog says, be the neighbor that you want to have. I want to be the neighbor that I should be, that I would like to have. Or the bad dog says, I don't even want any neighbors. Neighbors are terrible. Neighbors are the worst, okay? Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take advantage of my neighbors if I even have any, right? That, that's, 
That's a good dog, bad dog. A new way, the spirit way, the grace-filled way says, I now get to be that neighbor. This is a change. I now get to be this, this neighbor. And look at the motivation. It's not about me. It's no longer about what kind of neighbor do I want? What kind of neighbor do I want to be? For we are all members of one body. This is now about us, about loving one another. How, how, how do they know the love of Christ? By loving one another. We're all members of this one body. It's not about me. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And again, this could be very law-based. If you're mad about something, don't let the sun go down. Um, can you control the sun? No. Uh, no, you can't. And there are certain things. That's every, every single premarital uh, 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 counseling <laughs> there, uh, that, that I do, this, this, this comes up, right? How, how do you uh, manage your conflict, right? Well, um, I, I, just, I can't go to bed. Yeah, well, you know, if you stay up till two in the morning arguing about something, you're just going to be even more mad at each other in the morning because you didn't get a good night's sleep. Go to bed, get some good sleep. Wake up, talk about it, right? Uh, let's not live this by the law. Let's be grace-filled in this. Let's... Let's look at what's the point of this. Let's not be angry with one another. Um, and let's not make this manifold <laughs> by the law. Moving on, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Again, look at the motivation. It's, again, it's not good dog, bad dog. It's grace and it's freedom to be able to bless those who are in need. <laughs> That's, it's a different way of life, not law. Moving on, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen, <laughs> right? Maybe you just didn't catch this because when you have law and good dog, bad dog mentality and you read this, you, 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 you miss the collective motivation here that is grace and mercy and to benefit those. It's a motivation to benefit others and to show them grace. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. In our Monday morning meeting, um, Olivia Deskamp, she, uh, she said, this verse sounds really, and I quote, uh, very churchy church. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of church language in this verse. And I already explained the sealing of the Holy Spirit and that and the day when I'm saved, the day when I put my faith in Christ, I go from old life to new life, death to life, darkness to light, day of redemption, that I'm given the Spirit of God, this new creation, a new life of freedom. So what does this mean though? Um, get rid of all uh, bitterness and malice, brawling and slander along with every other form of malice and not grieving the Holy Spirit. Let me quote here, uh, Lynn uh, Kohik, uh, they say this in their commentary. What then could Paul mean when he speaks of grieving the Holy Spirit? The picture Paul points is of believers, each sealed with the Spirit, choosing whether to walk in their new self or fall back into an old pagan way. Do they speak from the redemptive power within them? a Holy Spirit-shaped deposit guaranteeing their inheritance or do they spew rotten words at another believer? Is this guilt and shame of feeding my bad dog or is this, are you choosing to live in the Spirit? 
uh, let's see, the words, let's see, uh, or, or do they spew rotten words at another believer who is sealed with the same Holy Spirit? Do they tear down the temple wherein God dwells by his spirit? Ephesians 2.22, putrid talk weakens the Christian community. And what diminishes God's temple grieves God's spirit. Truth-telling in its many dimensions expresses life as the new life, which by God's grace and resurrection power will continue into eternity. Living by the law, even the feeding the good dog of the law, it's gone. What will continue into eternity is the power of the resurrection and new life. It's a different way of thinking about grieving the Holy Spirit. A new way of thinking. And then again, finally, and this is gospel. Be kind and compassionate to, know, to be kind and compassionate to one another. Law, why? Forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Freedom, grace, mercy, not law. I mentioned this before, but we we have this way of like I, I want to live by the law. I'm going to die by the law. Jesus looks at us and says, "You can't do that." You cannot live perfectly, but I'm going to come to earth. I'm going to take on flesh. I'm going to live like you, and I'm going to fulfill the law. And I'm going to break the chains of the law. As I quote every week that we've been set free from the law to be free. We've been set free to be free. So Jesus says, I've done this. You can't do it. And then we look at him and we say, yes, I want new life. I want to live like you. And so we can follow his example, not out of obligation or out of duty, but out of joy. The gospels tell us that Jesus goes to the cross willingly. For the joy set before him, he endures the cross. There's pain and suffering, but there's something greater. There's something more life-giving. So I want to look at the example of Jesus. I mentioned this during Holy Week. This is where we get that phrase, Monday, Thursday, a new commandment I give you, uh, the foot washing. So let me... Let me see, how is it that Jesus, did Jesus say, I have to be a better neighbor? I'm gonna be the neighbor I wish I had, or I, forget you guys, I'm not gonna be a neighbor to anybody, or does he sacrificially give of himself and say, now we can all do this together? This new commandment I give you to love one another. Let's look at the example of Jesus. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. The whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. It's a physical washing, but if we just wash my feet, if this is this physical thing, am I living by the law or is it, is it something more, a washing of the whole body? When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes 
on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash in one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Physically washing feet or becoming humble and lowly and caring for those who are without. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Love one another, one another in the way that I love you, not out of obligation, but in new life. And so just in gospel application, that we now get to live in a spirit of grace. That there are times where we're going to probably fall back into that old mentality of I got to do right or I don't want to do wrong. Do good, don't do bad. Feed the good dog, don't feed the bad dog. And Jesus died on the cross that we can live in a spirit of grace and a spirit of freedom, a new way of walking in this life. Not out of law and duty, but of freedom and grace. Let me pray and we will uh, have communion. Actually, before I pray, uh, let me just mention the elements uh, that we have. We do this every week at Lower Town, that we have elements, the, the bread that represents the body of Christ and the juice that represents his blood that was broken or shed for us. And then as we look at these elements, they're on both sides here, uh, where the musician, singular this week, uh, is going to uh, be playing. And, and as Andrew's playing, he's going to play two songs. Feel free to come up and grab these elements. All I would ask is that you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, I would love to partake of this meal with you today. Um, if you're not, maybe today can be the first day. Maybe you thought the way of being a Christian was by just obeying rules rather than living free in Christ and the freedom and forgiveness of sin that he offers and when we do this, there's nothing magical or special about this. I don't need to anoint this or bless this. This is simply to remember what it is that Christ has done. And that spirit that he, because he died and sent his spirit that now indwells in us, that we together collectively get to partake of this meal together to remember the sacrifice that Christ has done. Let me pray. And then we'll continue worshiping through song and communion. Uh, and then we will be dismissed. Let me pray. Father, thank you for our time this morning. And God, I just want to pray for those in this room um, who are so used to working hard to feed the good dog, to stop doing bad things, to do what's good, but to live in the freedom of doing what's good and not doing what's bad, not out of duty and obligation, but out of joy. And so those who think they can earn your favor, would they find freedom that your son offers? And those who say this is garbage, Jesus died for my sin, I don't care, I can do whatever I want, that they would turn and see your son for who he is. That they would look at his example and say, he said that you can't do this, but I can. That we put our faith in him. And we now, those of us who just are constantly feeding the bad dog, now have freedom in Christ to live a life in grace that is honoring to you in a manner worthy of our calling, as the apostle Paul says. This is a new way of life and a new way of thinking. And so God, I just pray that all of us, we're in, we're in one of those camps, many points during the day, that we would be reminded as we partake of these elements that your son came to this earth, that he'd lived a life that we couldn't live, that he died on the cross for our sins so that we might have life, that we might have freedom. And he did that so that we would not, again, submit under that yoke of slavery to the law, but be free to be free. So God, we love you. We thank you. And it's in Christ's name we pray.